Hey, welcome! Man, so glad you found us. Uh, welcome to North Point Community Church's virtual Christmas Eve service. We are excited that you're here. Uh, we just need to talk about the elephant in the room. This Christmas is kind of different. It's a little weird. Uh, the reality is that we are living in a post-COVID uh, scenario, and that's just made the world a bit weird for everyone. We've all experienced some senses of loss. Maybe it's been loss of freedom, or maybe it's been a loss of joy. For some, it's been legitimate loss of family, or maybe just loss of closeness, maybe a loss of regular celebration, maybe a loss of income, maybe a loss of security or comfort or safety, a bunch more if we keep listing them. But, but the reality is that uh, living where we are, it's just different doing life in Coronaville. For lack of a better term, that's what it feels like we are living in Coronaville. And Christmas this year is just gonna be different. Ignoring it isn't gonna help. Hoping it goes away isn't gonna help. Like, it's just a little different. And we wanna lean into that because we know that what the devil intends for evil, God redeems for good. We know that that's true. We know that God works out all things for those who love him. That's true. Just because we don't see it or understand it doesn't make it less true. That even though we feel a sense of loss, we can know that God's got a better thing brewing. You know what I think? As I don't think it was much different for that very first Christmas either. You, you know, the one we celebrate right now with the shepherds and, and angels and a baby and a manger and donkeys. Like, I think that that wasn't much different for them. I think they felt a sense of loss as well. I don't think it was uh, like all Hark the Herald and Silent Night. It was just very, very weird. And so we want you with us right now to put on your pajamas, grab your hot chocolate, grab uh, your family, get close, get your gift box from North Point that we hope you picked up. Don't open it yet. Over the next 30 minutes, we'll direct you when to open it. And there'll be some cool things in there just to help us experience Christmas as we think about this reality of how different it was for the very first Christmas, folks, kind of like it is for us now. So grab some comfy couch cushions and, and, and snuggle in and spend some time with us as we think about what it was like to live in Christmas in Coronaville.
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This Christmas season, when I read about the story of the birth of Jesus, I'm drawn to Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. See, I like to have a plan. I like to know where things are going and exactly what steps I need to take to make those things happen. Which is why if I were in Joseph's shoes, I would be perpetually frustrated at everything. I mean, imagine being a young guy in a small village, working hard to prepare your new home for your new life with your soon-to-be bride. It had to be so exciting for him. And think as he's building this home, he, he's going to have the carpentry shop in the back, and, and they'll have goats up on the hill, and, and a gardens on the side of the house. And then eventually they'd have kids together, a couple boys who would take up the carpentry trade, and a daughter who would look just like Mary. And as they're planning this wedding, this days of celebration and fun together with family and friends, and then eventually move back into this small community surrounded by all the love and the support. I mean, Joseph had to have a plan. So when Mary breaks the news that she's pregnant, Joseph had to think to himself, this is not how this is supposed to go. He knew the child wasn't his, but claiming to be a divine pregnancy? I mean, come on. Mary had to have a better lie than that. This was not how any of this was supposed to go. That plan and that life were now ruined. It'd be best just to let Mary go on her way and live whatever life she was to have now. Now you and I know from reading on in the Bible that an angel shows up and, and gives Joseph this assurance that he needs to stay in this thing and be Mary's husband and, and Jesus' stepfather. But still, things probably didn't go the way that Joseph would have thought they'd have gone. I mean, just before Mary is to give birth here, they have to go on a long journey to Bethlehem for a census. And she winds up giving birth in a place so crowded that they didn't even have a spot for them in a guest room. Joseph had to be thinking to himself, this is not how it's supposed to go. Then later on, the ruler at the time, Herod, is so threatened by the birth of Jesus that he decrees that all young boys are to be killed. And so Joseph and his family have to flee and live in Egypt until Herod dies and it's now safe to return. And Joseph again has to think to himself, this is not how it's supposed to go. See, at some point in time this year, oh, this Christmas season, you've probably looked around and thought to yourself, this is not how it's supposed to go. 
So if you have one of the Christmas Eve boxes that we passed out, uh, go ahead and open that up. And inside, you're going to find an envelope with the number one on it. Go ahead and, and take the card out of that envelope there. See, I, I doubt that Jesus ever gave Joseph a stepfather's day card. Uh, in fact, we don't have any recording of a single conversation between them. But I'm sure as Jesus got older and older and knew the story more and more, he would have recognized the sacrifice and the love that Joseph had for their family. See, what's interesting to me is that as many times as Joseph would have had to think, this is not how it's supposed to go. He would have had to come back in his mind to the day that that angel showed up and told him to continue his engagement with Mary. The angel told Joseph to name the child Jesus, meaning the Lord saves, and thus fulfilling the prophecy of the coming of Emmanuel. See, Christmas is all about Emmanuel, God with us. And with all the uncertainty and all, and all the change of plans that came with being Jesus' stepfather, Joseph could cling to the promise that he had Emmanuel. Not only was he raising God with us, but every time something happened that wasn't how it was supposed to go, Joseph had God with him. And everything wound up better than he could have ever planned. Maybe this isn't how it's supposed to go for you. And you feel all of that this Christmas. Remember that no matter how different it is this year or how much change has occurred, God is still with us. Oh, 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Reading through the story of Mary, I've tried to put myself in her shoes. What would she have felt? Or what was she thinking when the angel told her that she would have God's son, Jesus? In your Christmas Eve boxes, you'll find a little red bag labeled number two. And inside, you'll find a treasure chest. So back in biblical times, it was very unheard of for a woman to become pregnant before she was married. I have to think that Mary probably lost friends, relationships with family. Um, she lost that community, that support. And not to mention, she had a baby in a stable where animals are and not in the comfort of, a, of her home or bed. But through all of these losses, there was great hope. Our God, the creator of the universe, came down and dwelt among us. In the baby's cry, hope was born and dwelt among us. And as Mary held her baby boy in her arms, even though there was loss of community, support, loss of a comfortable labor, there was tremendous hope born that night. Hope that filled the sky and proclaimed God's wonder. And through all these events, it goes on in Luke 2.19 to say that Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She kept them in her heart. I'm a mom of two boys, and while they've given me many memories and silly stories to share, one in particular sticks out to me. My oldest son had received a couple Christmases ago a gold mining kit. And while he was sifting through and finding all the gold rocks and stones, um, he put them into a little baggie. 
And in my home office, I have this little wooden cross that sits on a bookshelf. And one day I caught him putting the gold bag at the foot of the cross. And he said, Mama, this belongs here. And I was like, why is that, buddy? And he goes, because gold is valuable and it belongs with Jesus. Right now we're in a season where there is so much loss. But I don't want us to forget that with loss comes great hope. With your treasure chest, I encourage you to put it somewhere in your home that you'll be able to see it, to remember to fill your heart with Jesus, the greatest hope that we will ever need.
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So I have been reading about the shepherds, you know, those um, just ordinary working guys trying to earn a buck uh, and live drama-free while living in the serenity of shepherding sheep. And I want to share with you what I have learned. But before we do that, go ahead and grab your North Point Christmas box and take out package number three and open it with me. And in it, you're going to find a card. And inside of the card, you're going to find a dollar bill. And I want you to just hold on to that. So what I've learned about the shepherds is that um, at the time of Jesus, they were just ordinary guys living an ordinary life. Um, There was nothing glamorous about the work they did, and there was certainly nothing noble that set them apart from any other profession. However, it was a career that very much thrived on routine. The sheep ate and slept, grazed, roamed, um, mated, and were shorn on a pretty regular schedule. Every day was pretty much the same for the shepherds. So you can imagine what it must have been like for the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flock at night when suddenly, one particular night, in the middle of the darkness, an angel of the Lord was suddenly standing there, and around the angel was the glory of the Lord. Now I know how I would have reacted, and in the book of Luke, found in the Bible, it tells us how the shepherds reacted. It says they were terribly frightened. And that's how I would have reacted too. I would have been scared. And the angel went on to explain that the long awaited for Messiah, the savior had been born. And with that, he told the shepherds to not be afraid because I am bringing you good news of great joy that is for all the people. 
And with that proclamation, the sky was suddenly filled with a multitude of angels who were all praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who, on whom his favor rests. So there they were, these ordinary guys doing an ordinary job, when suddenly, bam, something out of the ordinary happened and changed life as they knew it forever. And so here we are in the year 2020, long removed from that night many thousands of years ago. But in a way, we can certainly identify with the shepherds and the loss of their normal routine life and the way they knew it. While this year has certainly brought changes for us and uh, disrupted our normal everyday things that we do, we can have the same hope that the shepherds found on that night so long ago. Because of their experience on that dark night, they knew where hope would be found. It wasn't in the certainty of life as they knew it, or in their routine, or in the unexpected, but rather it was going to be found in their Savior, Jesus Christ. So we too can have that same certainty. And as you hold this dollar bill in your hand, and maybe even put it up on your refrigerator as a reminder, and every time you pass it as you go to grab more Christmas cookies, may it remind you that we too can find hope in the most unexpected, messing with our plans kinds of ways. Merry Christmas. Christmas, but COVID. Christmas, but so many things are lost. Christmas in Coronaville. This Christmas is so different than any other we've ever experienced. It's so full of loss. For many, that loss looks like they're, they're not able to be with their family this year. They're not able to travel. For others, uh, the, the loss is in their family traditions. They're just, they haven't been able to experience them in the same way that they usually do. For me, one of the things that I've lost this Christmas is the frenzy, the, the excitement that comes with trying to find those last minute presents in the last few days. But because of COVID, not this year. For other families, the loss is even more real. Family that are no longer with us here on earth. They've lost someone that they love this year. Family that, uh, that are suffering and facing illness. That loss is real. That first Christmas, the loss was real as well. We've talked about it already. The loss that Joseph felt, the loss that Mary felt, the loss that the shepherds in a, in a weird kind of way experienced as well. For me, when I read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, one of the characters that's there in the white part in between the print that I never had really thought about until this year is Jesus' grandparents, Mary's parents, Joseph's parents, and the loss that they must have experienced in not being able to be there when that baby was born and to hold him in that first or second day of life. The loss is real. Ironically, the ultimate loss that was experienced that first Christmas was by God. God the Father had experienced every moment of eternity with his son right beside him. They had experienced every aspect of creation together. 
But when God sent his son, Jesus, to earth, that stopped. He sent him from a place that was beautiful, that was perfect, that there was no uh, no sin, no mistake, no nothing there. He sent him to earth, to a place of pain and brokenness, a place of division and meanness, where people would whisper things about his birth, behind his back, all of his life, where people would question the character and the integrity of his earthly father, his stepfather, as we've talked about. God sent him to a place where people would never fully accept him, where Jesus wouldn't just see pain, he would experience pain. He sent him to a place where he wouldn't just know about darkness, he would experience darkness. He sent his son to a place where he'd be raised by strangers, by people who didn't fully understand or grasp who he was and what God was doing in him. They were great people, Mary and Joseph, but they were flawed. You know that as Jesus grew up, Mary and Joseph had to have some cross words with each other. There were times that that, uh, they probably didn't treat Jesus fairly, that they didn't understand him. And yet God allowed him to go and be a part of that family. God ultimately sent his son to a place that would would make fun of him, that would spit on him, that would beat him, that would ultimately crucify him. Why would God do that? Why would God subject himself to such a tremendous and devastating loss? Because what he would find in that loss would be so much greater than the temporary loss he experienced. He would find you through that loss. In his immediate sense of loss, God saw a better thing coming. The loss God experienced was so that we could be found, so that we could be brothers and sisters to that child born in the manger so that we could sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. Scripture tells us that if we know Jesus, if we embrace the idea that Jesus died in our place, that we live our lives fully devoted to him, that our relationship with him is pictured best by a little child who's sitting on his father's lap, gazing into his eyes, safe and confident, touching his cheek and saying, Daddy, oh, Daddy, Merry Christmas. May the loss that we experience this Christmas be dwarfed by the love we share in knowing that God loved us so much that he gave his only son, that if we put our trust in him, if we follow him fully, That in eternity, when we're in God's presence, surrounded by Jesus, that we'll know that the loss that we experience this Christmas pales in comparison. If you would right now, open that box that, that you were given from North Point and go to the fourth present that's there. There's an envelope, a little box that that you can take out and you can see, you can find in there a nail, a spike and a poem. Let me read that. Every year on my Christmas tree, I hang a nail for all to see. For the nails of the manger where the Christ child lay, 
to those piercing his body as his life drained away. A reminder of love midst the green of the tree, of the gift that was given for you and for me. Hanging there brightly on its own little cord, telling of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. What I'd like for you to do right now is to take that nail, to take that spike, and have the youngest person who's a part of your Christmas Eve service right now to take that and to just place it on the tree. Our hope is that poem and that spike will remind you this year and every year forward of the price that was paid, the loss that was overcome when God sent his son, Jesus, to earth. <laughs> 